You're listening to Life As We Own It. I'm coming to you as authentic as I can with help from Yahweh, He who makes that which has been made. Here to speak on lessons we, including myself, mistake and the blessings we learn to embrace. It's a no-go is what we're talking about today. No-go in the military is usually followed by the decision has been made to stop any advancements um, um, that you had intended on having. Um, usually at that time, um, there's a need to assess the situation which has been learned because there's a some kind of disconnection in the process. And for us to move forward, we must all be on the same page. Ephesians 4, um, chapter 4, verse 17 through 32 um, it's something I've been reading lately. It's a note of how to live life with Christ. Um, Paul is speaking under, um, speaking on life about the power of sin and the power of God. Um, he's basically calling out believers. He's calling them out on their shenanigans. Um, that place, the places that hold us that God never intended for us to be. Examples like being spiteful, um, insulting, um, maybe even a backbiter when we should be demonstrating a Christ-like attitude of love and forgiveness. I believe Paul wanted to convey our priority, which is understanding that each breath that we take is by grace and mercy given to us. And every gift that we have should be used to honor the giver of life, not the taker of of the gift, which is us. It's not to honor us, it's to honor him. You see, we all are family, and unfortunately, we function in dysfunction at times. Yet many times, we function as one body, which is what we should be doing. We are leaders and followers, meaning we are to lead others and learn how to follow Christ. And that includes those that are led by the Holy Spirit. We have to say goodbye to who we were before we become um, familiar with the joys of salvation. What does this look like? Well, in my, the way I see it is our gifts is ours, yet we experience a change in how our gift is used. There's a difference. Many believe that we must change the gift in a way to make it better. You know, we're, we're new believers in Christ and we're trying to change our gifts to make it better for Christ. Yet God gives perfection. We, it's us who mess it up. Our gift is what leads us to Christ and allows the breath of God to move within us. Living our lives away or apart from that is apart from the Almighty. That means that we made the decision to move ignorant, unknowledgeable in this life. Ignorant of our own self, sinful nature is the reason why we're getting a no-go. Every day brings a chance for us to learn a better way, but to also be actively better in Christ. We start with verse 17. And, and this is Ephesians chapter 4. 17 says, and this is the New Living Translation, with the Lord's authority... I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do. In this context, they're referring to the, the unbelievers. 
for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life of God that, that God has given them because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. So he's, you know, when you're thinking about these verses, and this is 17, 18, and 19, you know, the, 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 the vision that he's, um, that I see in these words is that we can't go with the crowd. We can't go with the crowd. You know, God has that authority over us and he got our back. There's no more going with the crowd. The, the people who are walking around mindless, unbelievers, don't, you know, refuse to even acknowledge that he exists. They refuse to even deal with the, the fact that, hey, yeah, I used to go to church. You know, you ever heard somebody say that? I used to go to church and you wonder, well, why don't you still go to church now? Or why are you not in spiritual commune, communication with Christ? Well, you know, they refuse to. They can't think straight no more. They feel no pain um, for themselves. So they continue to be as perverse as they want to. When they say no pain, they're talking about that. I, I feel like right now in this context it, context, it would be they feel no shame. They don't feel that urge to want to do better because it's so much easier to do the opposite. Oxford Dic Dictionary says that um, perversion is looked at as an alteration. That means you, you're making a modification and a change of something from its original. Original always mean unique. I am the original me. There's nobody else like me. My mother was the original her. People can say we have similarities. They can say we look alike, but she is an original of who she is. And I am an original of who I am. There is some God in all of us. He comes up differently, but he is still embedded in all of us. We all have a uniqueness about us. Now, when they're talking about perversion, you have altered. You check that out? We've altered what was unique in us and our meaning and how we talk. And we've misrepresented. We decided that we were going to say that this is for God, but it is not from this intended version. This is why we cannot. We cannot walk this way, walk in corruption with little to no conviction. That means no faith, no principles, no ethics whatsoever. Given into every desire because we have no self-control. But there is no life for you. Verse 20, it says, but there isn't what you, but that isn't what you've learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly religious and holy. It's 20, 21, 22 and 23, 24. 
But in this life, I mean, th this life, I've said this, and I've joked with my cousin about this so many times. I'm not from this world. I'm an alien. I am an alien. I am not from this world. And although it is a joke, there is a lot of truth in that. When we learn who we belong to and why we were made and we live in that relationship with Christ, we understand there's no life without him. You know, we understand that he exists. It's, it should be harder for you to go back into the world any other way without feeling a conviction from that. Since then, we, we have these excuses. We have these moments of ignorance uh, in things that we do because um, we're trying to connect to our old way of thinking. But that's that old way of thinking and that old way of doing things it's going to rot our heart. It's going to rot our heart. It's going to rot our heart. I did say it three times to get it in there. It rots everything from the inside out. And they're asking. He's employing. He is speaking to these people. This is Paul telling them to get rid of it. Take the entirety of it and let it go. Uh, you, 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 you have a new life. God has given us a new life. There's no reason for us to hold on to anything that used to be. New relationships, new people, new people that will genuinely be there for us, walk with us, hold us accountable for our actions, work with us, uh, work in the will and the spirit of God. Um, and this is what creates and produces our character. It grows us. Stop telling lies. Let, a, let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all part of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the, tell, to the devil. This adds up to one thing. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. We're all connected to each other. And I was told when I was younger, when you lie to other people, you are lying to yourself. And then you have to keep up with yourself. So now yourself is now the whole lie that you told other people. And honestly, it has no point behind it. Because once the lie is out there, it's like sheets of paper. It's hard to get it back. It's hard to remember it all. You threw the paper out the window. You can't go back and get those papers. You didn't mean it no more. But you don't know where the pieces went. You don't know where they fell. You don't know who told who. You don't know what know, who knows what. You have no idea of what you've done. You can repent from it, but that action is there. It is there. Unless you have true repentance, will you even know? And that means... Being honest about what you've done. Honesty don't move as quick as lies, but it doesn't mean that it's not valuable. A lie definitely will move quickly. When people tell the truth, I don't really think that everybody wants to know the truth. The truth isn't as exciting as a lie. But the truth is what helps us to keep our relationship with Christ. You can be angry. There's nothing wrong with being angry. I've been angry many times. The problem is it's an emotion 
that it does need assessment. It is part of who we are. And yes, we're going to be angry. But when you use anger to ignite fuel, to ignite revenge, it hardens your heart. And it gives. When they talk about that foothold, they're talking about the, you're allowing the devil to have movement in your heart. You're allowing the devil to have movement in your life. Because you've decided to be angry. Don't be angry to the point where you're stewing in it. You're thinking about it. You're sleeping with it. It becomes nightmares. You can't get past it unless you feel like you have to do something. Every time you see that person, you get that 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 feeling in the back of your neck, down your spine, where you're just that agitated that you can't get past it. That's not good. That is not good at all. Because you now, that feeling that you feel, that's the devil moving in your life. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work. And then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be encouragement to those who hear them. Be better than you were and help others. Plain and simple, be better. Use your hands for something good. And here he used the analogy of stealing. If you curse people, use your mouth wisely. If you stole, use those hands to help. You know, it, there's so much that we can do to help people, but we use our tongue to hinder them. Watch your words. Uh, words dictate our actions. Don't have a foul mouth or a dirty mouth. You know, cussing up a storm and you just two, three minutes outside of church. Um, a sharp tongue too. That's that. That's that classic. You know, you always got some, some, some sly to say. That's the sly words that you say. Stop and ask yourself: Is this helpful to the body of God? Does this help my gift? I'll be honest with you. My coworker accused me of this. More so being argumentative is what she said, because I often do things a little bit different. And I do. I learn differently. I move differently um, a lot of times. And I see things a little bit different. Sometimes it's a good thing because I can offer something. Sometimes in this situation, it wasn't so much. To me, I think she does the exact same thing. But I knew when she brought it up, that making my point was never going to help the situation. It just, it doesn't help your situation. I was always told as a follower of Christ, we are, we are a direct representation of who we serve. I cannot serve God and make my coworker feel her voice is not being heard. That's, that's where I am today. That's where I am now. Recognizing that the way I say things may be more offensive than cursing her out. Yeah, I said that just because, and I've not been told that before. I have way with words. That's something I have to work on and I am willing to work on it because we often see situations as a right and a wrong, but honestly, taking time to hold your tongue and listen to your thoughts takes the situation from I am right and you are wrong to how am I coming off in this context? How she sees me in this context should make me stop and take account of how 
I may be coming off in my speech because that is not my desire. She knows who I am. And I believe she knows that I had great intentions, but those great intentions mean nothing in a situation where there's a sharp tongue. There's a filthy mouth, a dirty mouth. It just doesn't. I understand that our gifts must be attached. It must be attached, bonded, fused, glued, stuck to our very actions because that is the life that we're living. And that's the character we're supposed to be holding for, for God. We are not to bring sorrow to, to God at all. You know, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. You know the difference between resolutions and repentance? Resolutions at the beginning of the year now, you know, a lot of people do resolutions. Resolutions are like an echo. It's a reflection. Um... It's a it's an echo, just like you're doing a Grand Canyon. If you in or in can any canyon or cave, you can throw out your words, but it might not sound the exact same when it's bounced back to you. But it's an echo and a desire for autonomy. Autonomy is our independence and our self-driven purpose. What we believe our purpose is on the inside. That's our belief. The problem is, is that when we're talking about autonomy, we're talking about Again, independence and self-driven, which means that if I'm about doing things that I believe is good for me, there is a possibility that I'm straying from God. I'm not recognizing that only in his hands, only in the hands of the almighty are we made to do good works. I can't do that good a work on my own. It'll look good. But that's man's look on it. But how does it look to God? Mm. Now that's food for thought right there. Repentance makes us aware of our relationship. It makes, it makes the resolution not even a solution for us. Repentance is making us aware of our relationship with God could be better. It's saying to yourself, can I do better? Have I done better? I will do better. It's holding yourself accountable. Repentance doesn't make the actions of sin leave because we are sinful people. But it does help us to recognize our need for mercy. So when something does go wrong, I understand my need for mercy, my need to confess, admit, own up to what I've done wrong, acknowledge what am I doing wrong, and ask for forgiveness. Compassion for my life a conversion if we if you may a change because change is good when we are not allowing ourselves to be in a repentant state we're not allowing ourselves to be truly open to God and I do believe that that breaks his heart 31 Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. And 32, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. 
I believe we often forget our actions. When we do something wrong, we don't want people to remember and we don't want to remember it either. We rather move on. That happens a lot within my family. Um, I've seen a lot of it within other families where one person has wronged another and then in the, the next time they see him or five minutes later, it's like nothing happened because no one wants to admit wrongness. They just want to kind of move on from it. What we do, what we say, and the efforts we take to continue down these meaningless roads, because they are, they're roads not intended for us. These roads not meant for us. It hurts the heart of God. And in that, inevitably, it hurts us. It does. Because we hold it on the inside. We don't speak tactfully, um, spiritually, spiritually tactfully. I'll use that word. Spiritually tactfully um, to what's hurting us and what can make things better for us. Matthew 6 speaks on the Lord's Prayer. And it says, forgive us our trespasses. That means that we're asking God to forgive us for what we have done. What we've done. And grant us mercy. We are also asking him in that same sentence. Help me so I won't do this again. I don't want to do it again. Those words are all the same in that sentence. It's not easy to make a clean break of a lot of things. We live in a society that loves to taper off, love to just be in the atmosphere where it's just like, well, you don't got to give it all up at one time. Um, you know, you can just, you know, a little bit at a time, be gentle with one another. Um, but our walk in Christ is active. Everything we do for God is a verb. A verb is active in our movement it is intentional and purposeful and it's linked to others i've often used several different types of analogy but today i'm gonna use this one um if i was told that dark chocolate dark chocolate cake um cheesecake or any dessert for that matter because people who know me know i'm a dessert person but if i eat dessert again it will kill me if i consumed it one more time I have to ask myself, would I stop? And the answer is yes. Now, it would be hard. I would go through a very crazy but true caffeine withdrawal just knowing I can't eat it ever again. That's just with the thought. Just, just me knowing I can't eat it again. Now, what I know I can't do, my actions have to line up with as well. It seems strange. But we all have these things. We can know it's not good for us, but our actions say differently. Just knowing would send me into a frenzy. Now my actions have to line up. We all have these, these things, these vices, these addictions that is only, um, but it's only truly an addiction when it's brought to our attention once we're told we can't anymore. We should not anymore. No, it's a no-go for you. And once we're told this, everything in our mind starts to change. Some people believe weaning from something is better for us than just letting it go. In some situations, it could be true. 
but that doesn't make the process any easier. Uh, I was talking with a friend of mine about, um, you know, taking a pacifier away from a five-year-old. And I was, you know, I was just being me. And part of me is a nurse. And because, you know, I understand at certain ages, it's going to be harmful to their teeth. It's going to hinder them and that the pacifier at that state is just a comfort. It's a soothing device. Um, it's a coping mechanism. You know, we wouldn't say coping on a child, um, but really it is. It's a coping mechanism. And honestly, at that point, that child really does need better coping skills, not the pacifier. Because it's not going to be helpful. But my stars, I could only remember when my daughter um, was, my, my, my oldest daughter, she, and I love her, and she's much older now. But when she was coming off, when she was a small kid, she was a baby. We gave her a pacifier. And she had, at one point, probably 10 to 15 pacifiers all over the house. I mean, she, the addiction was there. And we fed into it, you know. It was her thing. She was very smart. She would play on her own. She would sing. She would do all these other things. But she would, she just had had this pacifier in her mouth. It got so bad at some point that she had this one pacifier, like the ones that get in the hospital, well, she could put her finger up the bottom of the pacifier, this 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 pacifier, and it had a hole in it. She had bitten. That's she had teeth. Full set of teeth had bitten hole, and she would stuff food in there and would go back and push it through and chew it. That was the weirdest, most. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um nastiest <laughs> it, it was disgusting it was disgusting to say the least um and she i mean but that was her thing she had one that even glue in the dark it glowed in the dark and i got to the point when i was like hey she's got to be off the pacifier we've got to she, she can't I, I, we can't do this she's getting much older i'm concerned about her teeth um she's got to be off the pacifier well this was not the easiest thing to do. It was not the easiest thing to do. And um, it was not, it was uh, instantly off the pacifier. It was the hardest thing I've ever seen a child go through. And I didn't even see the entire result. Um, at some point, you know, I wasn't, I was at school, I was at work. She was with her dad. And it was, it, it was, I mean, we had grandparents involved. It was, it took a village. I mean, even when she was asleep, she would sleep at night and just put her hand, she wouldn't even open up her eyes. She would just put her hand down and feel for a pacifier and just stick it in her mouth. In her sleep, she was crying for this pacifier. Like, it was so difficult for her. It took three days um, just to get her to the point where we could deal with her for the next week or two. Like the first three days was just no sleep. Nobody was getting sleep. She wasn't sleep and she wasn't being comfort. So nobody was getting sleep and nobody was getting comfort. And um, just to get her to that point where we could now deal with what the pacifier represented. And that was truly a difficult situation. Tapering down 
on our sinful nature is a slippery slope. Um, side note, many have fallen off of this slope, just so y'all know. We ask God to forgive us quickly and we worship when it's convenient. God desires us to stop as quickly as we are forgiven. When Paul's telling them these things, he understands it's going to be hard, but you got to cut it off. It's a clean break. Get rid of these things because they're only going to hinder you in your progression with Christ. This is Lent season. Lenten season. It brings about fasting for some and fellowship for others and fellowship all the way around. Not everyone even um, sees this as a season, as Lent as a season. Not everyone gives up. Um, you know, the different types of food for um, to, um, during this time of the year um, for these 40 days. Not everybody, some give up bad habits or desires that they, desires that they, they hold on to, that they want to give to God. They want to give God more of themselves to bring about a closer relationship. Others give up electronics. I remember that happening even um, when my children were younger, giving up electronics. Um, and now you're replacing it with family time or just to meditate on what is to come or how Christ started his journey into saving our souls. How about that? Regardless of how you celebrate, pray fast, or if you have decided during these 40 days to turn your over your life over to Christ and now you're in fellowship today is a great day to reflect doesn't matter what how you do it everybody has a different way of bonding and having their relationship with Christ how I see my God my dude is different from how you're gonna see your God your father but that doesn't take away, we should all be reflecting on our inner self. Asking, I, I employ and I ask you, can you sacrifice? Ask yourself, can you sacrifice or deny yourself from things of this world? Just so you can grab, grab a hold of what is beyond our imagination. I get it. You're busy. We all have lives that we believe is so important, but this life wouldn't be important if, if it wasn't for God. Plain and simple. We pray for that job. Now we're letting that job take over us. We pray for these children. Now we don't have time for God. He is the giver of everything that we have, everything we ask for. The least we can do is, is give him our time. Give him back what's due to him. He don't need it, but he wants it. I get it. We are busy. But nobody's schedule is more tactically, chaotically functional than God. He's busy all day long. So today is unwavering. That means it is steadfast. It's not going anywhere. And every day that we have, we have a day that's unwavering. That means it's devoted to us and it was made for us, 
for us to live, sing, praise, walk, talk in your gift, your many gifts, and for us to advance, not live stagnant, motionless, stationary, or in a no-go status. And all that he's given us, that's not his desire for us. Let's be humble as we live life, as we own it.